Well, I am hopeful that what I'm going to be speaking on today won't be too discouraging to you. I hope it's not going to be too discouraging to me. <laughs> but I'm going to be speaking a little bit about Lot. And um, I trust that when we're done, there will be something, at least, in it that will be encouraging to all of us. Uh, if I were to title uh, my message, it would be Just Lot. And you can take that two ways. Just Lot, as in the only Lot, or Just Lot as in Righteous Lot, which is what the Scripture says. Uh, let's pray, and then, then uh, I'll have a couple quiz questions for you, and then we'll uh, get to the material. Father, we're asking that you would guide us today, guide us through your word, um, put away from the minds and hearts of the listener the things that are uh, my particular uh, soapboxes, and, and that we might be instructed by your word only. We ask that you would bless our hour together. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm going to read a few passages. Before that, I read a, I'll read a uh, quote in the newspaper here in the last several months, I think. Uh, on the front page, they put this little thing down in the corner. It's called a, uh, uh, it's a famous quote or a quote by a famous person. I noticed one here a while back. Uh, by a guy by the name of Arthur Miller, and he's a he's a playwright. His uh, probably is probably best known for um, Death of a Salesman, but there's another one called The Crucible, and uh, one of my favorite uh, little short movies. It's, uh, there's a lot in that in that little uh, movie. Well, it's a play actually, but. This is his quote. Maybe all one can do is hope to end up with the right regrets. Well, I think uh, maybe Lot was one of those people. I think maybe I'm one of those people. The right regrets. Let me read uh, a few verses without a lot of comment on the the verses, and then we'll go all the way back to Genesis. But in Second Peter chapter 2, uh, everything that is important to know about Lot, maybe not the, all the important things, but the most important thing to know about Lot is mentioned in this, uh, these few verses. Second Peter chapter 2, I'm going to start with verse 4. For if God did not spare the ancient, the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example of those who afterward would, be, would live ungodly. And delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented or vexed his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations 
and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. There are a couple of things we uh, learn here about Lot, which we wouldn't have known if it weren't for these few verses. And uh, in our reading, sometimes we're surprised by these verses. Tells us a couple of things about him. It says uh, he's righteous. And it also says that he was vexed or tormented by uh, the wickedness around him. And so then my question, of course, becomes, uh, how did he become righteous? How do we know, how did, he, how did uh, this man become righteous? Uh, everything we read in Genesis, it almost seems like this couldn't be a righteous man. And so, uh, is there some different way that he became righteous? And my answer of that, to that, of course, is no. He became righteous the same way Abraham became righteous. He believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. We don't have a verse that says that. We don't have a uh, track record on Lot that would indicate that. But he became righteous the same way every person who is righteous becomes righteous. They believe God. And God accounts it as righteousness. We wouldn't have, tr we wouldn't have believed it if, we, if God's word hadn't told us here about Lot. And he was vexed from day to day. Uh, that is one of the things that happens uh, when people become believers. Whether it's back in the days of uh, the Old Testament saints or whether it's today. Uh, wickedness, evil, vexes us. Here's a, here's a couple verses that are also, I think, important. Ephesians chapter 2, starting with verse 8. For the grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, is that, does that apply to just New Testament believers? Does that apply to you and me? Of course it does. We are saved by grace. And then it says that God has prepared a work for each of us. Could we apply that to the Old Testament believer? Did God have purposes for the Old Testament believer? Did he have a plan, as modern way of putting it, a plan for their life that included doing things that God would instruct them in? I would say my answer is yes. Now, we didn't see what Lot's, what God's plan for Lot's life was necessarily, but we certainly know a lot about Lot. Here's another one, and I mentioned this already, but in Romans chapter 2, it says this. Just so I have scripture that that uh, verifies what I said earlier about uh, how the uh, Old Testament saint became righteous before God. Romans chapter 
4, verses 2 and 3 says this, For if Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. For what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Okay, a couple quiz questions here. Uh, and this will date some of you. Um, and give you and, and a couple couple names. Drop a couple names here. Uh, anybody? Can anybody tell me who Amy Carmichael was? And this this is a uh, anyone can answer. Anyone that knows the answer can answer, and it'll be okay. I'm not going to to uh, call you before the elders so we could. <laughs> A missionary. Okay. Uh, she was a missionary to India. Okay. Here's another one. This will date you a little bit. How about Ann Kimmel? I think that's the pronunciation of the last name. John. What? Who was Amy Kimmel? Ann Kimmel. Can you name one of her books? Okay. Okay. Yes, yes. Excellent, excellent. Yes. Okay. Anne Kimmel. Okay, and the title of the book, we, we, thank you for your help here. The title of her book, I'm Out to Change My World. Let me tell you something that you probably don't know. Well, some of you don't know. A Anne Kimmel is dead. She died in 2014. Did she change her world? The world I live in isn't any different. It's probably worse than it was. So, was Ann Kimmel's life wasted? <laughs> okay. How about Lot? Was Lot's life wasted? I picture in my imagination an old man living in a cave, living out what Arthur Miller said. Maybe the best we can hope for is to end up with the right regrets. I see Lot in that cave looking back over his life and probably had a lot of regrets about his life. Especially when compared to Abraham, his uncle. I mean, Abraham's, his uncle was more like the Billy Graham of his day in some ways. He was the, he was the prominent, prominent uh, believer. And he was following God. 
He built altars to communicate with God. And God was talking to Abraham frequently. Not so with Lot, apparently. At least we're not told. In uh, Genesis chapter 12, in verse 1, it says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I'll bless you, make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Uh, a couple of verses later, it says that uh, that he went, that Abraham went out, and it says in verse chap, verse four of Genesis chapter twelve, and Lot went with him. So Lot spent quite a bit of time uh, observing Abraham's life or Abram's life. Here's the question that I have. Abraham built an altar to the Lord, it says later in this chapter. This is one of the first things he did. He built an altar to the Lord. And should, <clears throat> should we consider this an indictment against Lot because he didn't build an altar? Or are we not told that he did? I mean, Abraham was, or Abram was, the patriarch of the family. So it was one of his responsibilities to be the uh, spiritual leader of the family. Uh, and so my, question, my answer to that to that question is should we indict Lot for not building an altar and I would my answer would be no later in this chapter it says and I guess what I'm saying is that I have to be careful because too many years too much of my life I have um, almost read the Schofield headings as scripture take the Schofield heading or the Schofield footnote and say well that's of course what this passage is all about and that's what I should gather from this passage there are several passages that are, have a Schofield heading above them that say Lot's first step in backsliding Lot's second step in backsliding Lot's third step in backsliding Lot's final step in backsliding Having those headings, it's pretty difficult for me not to have a pretty negative view of Lot. I begin to wonder if maybe uh, what was what was Lot doing in in uh, when he got close to Sodom, when he went into Sodom. Uh, I won't ask that question yet. I have some some views, but he might have written a book. My imagination runs wild sometimes. I need to, uh, if I could remember to write this down on the list on the refrigerator of the stuff we're going to buy at the store, I would buy some Prevagen because uh, I've seen the ads for, the, for this one lady. She says, she's 76 years old, and she said, I've been taking this, and she said, now, before my mind was not... A, too clear, but right now, <laughs> the thoughts just come together like that. <laughs> if I could only remember to buy some of that stuff. <laughs> uh, 
And my imagine tells me, maybe, just maybe, I'd have no verses that would tell me this. But I'd say maybe Lot got close to Sodom and he actually had, he may have had an evangelist heart. He may have seen the wickedness and the vileness of, that was going on in the city of Sodom and maybe he was ready to write a book that says, I'm out to change my world. Maybe I can make a difference there. And I have no scripture to back that up. But I have this scripture that says that Lot was vexed by the wickedness of that city. And I have the scripture that tells me that Lot was a righteous man. And so, can a person be a righteous person before God and not have, um, have some heart for the lost or be totally cold to the uh, lost? And my answer would be no. I don't think it's possible to be cold towards those who are outside of Christ. If we are believers in Christ, we should have, it might take some effort, might even take some encouragement from others, but we should, and I believe do have within us as believers, uh, maybe weak, but a heart for the salvation of others, a heart for evangelization. Okay, back to the text. Genesis chapter 12. In verse 10, it, does, it says this, the Schofield heading for this says, Abraham fails forsaking the place of blessing. It doesn't say that he's backsliding here. It just says that Abraham failed. So uh, Abraham gets a different criteria in the Schofield notes than Lot does. But uh, that being said, uh, it says that it doesn't say in the, in the verse, it doesn't say that he's failed. It just says, now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there for the famine was severe in the land. So Lot went with him. They went down to Egypt. Uh, Abram prospers in Egypt, though he um, is unkind to his wife. He doesn't protect her as we would think he should protect her. But in the end, even though he has failed in that, uh, he goes out of Egypt. Um, verse 10, verse 19 of chapter 12 uh, Pharaoh says, why did, you, why did you say to me, she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now, therefore, here is your wife. Take her and go your way. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. And we find that he left Egypt. He brought, took, took Lot with him. And then it 
says that he goes back to where the altar was. And so we um, find that Abraham has returned to the altar and um, doesn't say anything about Lot, whether he was, whether he um, was a participant in the worship that Abraham um, had towards God or if he just was on his own. Okay, 13. Genesis chapter 13. Let's go to verse um, 12, I think is where I want to. Well, actually, verse 1. Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. Find that uh, Lot also became rich in livestock, silver and gold, so rich. So Abram and Lot are wealthy farmers with lots of livestock. Okay, verses 5 through 9 uh, tells us about that. But then something happens. And I was thinking, did Abram bear any responsibility for Lot's backsliding? And it says here that they were both rich, and it says that Abram came up with this plan. Let's, let's imagine that you are a, a uh, owner of a business here in town. Let's say it's a hardware store. And you and one of your fellow Christians, uh, fellowshipping together here, uh, both own hardware stores in town. Population doesn't increase, but uh, the needs don't increase either, and so uh, you just keep plugging along, and both of you realize that this town isn't big enough for both of us. There isn't enough business here to support both of us. So somebody needs to move out of town. Okay. Well, that solves the business problem. But maybe that town doesn't have a fellowship of uh, believers. Maybe the person that leaves town goes to a place where there is no no, uh, support of other believers. How often do Christians make choices based upon business as opposed to their spiritual life? And I'm not, this is not about the choices I made being great in my life. But I am thankful still for the fact that when I came back to Atlantic, one of the first things I did before I actually took the job was to go, I stopped out at Lindman Tractor, talked to Bob, asking him about the, what the fellowship was like here, whether or not there was a Sunday school for my child because I knew that my, I wanted my daughter since I was just recently saved, I wanted to know that there was a place where I could take my wife and my daughter and there would be some spiritual benefit. 
I didn't want to take a job in a town where there was not Christian fellowship. Along the way, over the years, I had opportunities to go elsewhere, and sometimes I even investigated them, but I'm glad that God did not allow me to go taking off to some other town where, where I didn't have the opportunity to fellowship with other, other Christians because I relate too much to Lot. If it were not for the fellowship of Christians, and for now, in this place, I'm not sure uh, how my life, and I'm not gone yet, but I'm not sure how my life would have turned out if it had not been for the opportunity to spend time with other Christians to be encouraged, to be instructed, sometimes exhorted. Okay, moving on. So we call it uh, Lot's first step in backsliding. And in verse 12 of chapter 13, it says, Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. Okay, so are we going to indict Lot for being close to Sodom? Here's a question. Sodom and Gomorrah, we picture them as this evil place. Were they worse than the society you and I live in today? No. I will answer that. You don't have to give me your opinion. The answer is no. The society you and I live in, in this great country that we live in, is sinful. The country we live in, the society we live in, it's exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. That's the world we live in today. Okay. So, he goes there, and so it should be, it should be, red flags should be going up for Lot. He should be recognizing that there is uh, maybe a, there's a potential for making a difference and maybe there's a potential, uh, a potential for good if he can influence them or a potential for disaster for him if he gets influenced by them. And so uh, I think we know a little bit of, about how it goes. Anyway, chapter 14 so Lot is uh, close to Sodom. And later on we find out that he actually lives in Sodom. In chapter 14, I would call this, um, Lot was caught up in a war between some kings, including Sodom. He ends up being a captive. And I'll just read what I've got written down here. Lot saw and benefited from God's intervention for Abram in Egypt. And I would say that once, and Lot was rescued after he was taken captive by these, in the midst of this war between kings, 
And I wrote down here, Lot should recognize God's hand in using Abram to rescue him. Introspection. I think it was, should have been a time of introspection for Lot. After he got rescued, it's like, whew, that was a close one. There should have been some introspection on Lot's part. He should have been asking himself, should there be a change in where I live, in what I do, Maybe if I'm trying to make a difference in Sodom, maybe I'm the wrong man for this job. Maybe I ought to leave town because this could happen again. And I'll read something here which you can apply and I can apply. We all have probably had times when events and circumstances shocked us into a time of critical introspection, which several things can happen. One, sometimes, it's sort of like Grant was talking about in our first hour, sometimes these uh, times of crisis are a blessing from God because it brings some people to salvation. They have a disaster in their life and they say, they cry out to God and God hears and God answers and they come to faith in Christ. What a blessing. Sometimes a crisis comes along to the person who is already a Christian, but their life is a mess. And they're brought back to the Lord. No show of hands, please. But I suspect that we all have had, even as believers, times when God intervened through a crisis that made us stop and think and ask those critical questions. And the Lord brought us back. And then there's the third possibility. The crisis comes, and the crisis has no effect. The results are often painful and sometimes even fatal. We all either have been that person or know people that have been witness to, have heard the claims of Christ, have heard the gospel message over and over and over again, and they do not accept the free offer. What will the end be for them? Worse than Sodom here. Sodom, just it just talks about a destruction of the city. But these people will going, are going to end up 
forever separated from God. In a place where it says the fire is not quenched, the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched, separated forever from God in a lost eternity, forever lost, because they did not heed the warning voice. Then there are some Christians that are in that situation. They're believers. They'll end up in heaven, but their life is a mess. And I have just this one question for us. If Lot was this was one of these people, away from God, are there any lots in your life that you should be praying for? Are there any lots in your life that you should be praying for? Abraham, Abram, prayed for Lot. When God came and talked to Abraham, he said, uh, I need to talk to tell Abraham what I'm going to do. And Abraham, what was his reaction? He prayed about it. He went to God and he said, oh, should not the judge of all the earth do right? You're not going to destroy this city. If, there, if there's just 50 people in there that are, that are righteous, you're not going to destroy the righteous with the wicked, are you? God says, no. And so Abraham negotiates down to 40, 30, 20. He ends, with, ends up with all the way down to 10 And then he stops. And I would like to go to over to, well, that's in chapter 19, I believe it is. It's in 18. He brings it down to 10. And then in verse 19, we have these angels going down to Sodom and Gomorrah. They tell Abram, we're going to go down to, to, to Sodom and Gomorrah because the cry has come up to heaven because of their wickedness. And if they're as bad as the cry has been, we'll know it. And if not, we'll know it. And my, the interesting thing, thing to me, and I know that I'm running out of time, are a couple things that are said here. He says, the men say to Lot, have you anyone else here? Son-in-laws, your sons, your daughters, whomever you have in this city, take them out of this place, for we will destroy this place. And I was thinking, we're not told how many sons Lot may have had. In the question they were asking, they said sons. And so I think, okay, what if he did have sons? What if he had, what if he had a couple sons? We find that he had two unmarried daughters. Uh, we have reason to believe that perhaps that these son-in-laws that he went to speak to about the coming judgment were betrothed or his daughters were betrothed to them so we don't know for sure how many were in Lot's family we know his wife we know he had two unmarried daughters for sure 
that went out of the city with him. There were sons-in-law. Did he have sons? Abram was pretty optimistic when he said 10. Uh, you know, Noah, he preached righteousness for 120 years and he only got, a, got out with eight. This is, the, this is the thing I will end on because there's a lot more in this passage because I don't want to talk about what is called in the Schofield heading Lot's final step in backsliding. I don't want to talk about that. It's the story of the Moabites and the Ammonites who are, are just enemies of God's people through a long period of history. But, but I want to end on this. And this is what you can apply and what I can apply. And I am thankful that at least in my life, I took this much to heart and have succeeded only by God's grace. The message that he gave, these guys gave to Lot before they brought destruction. Whomever you have in this city, take them out of this place. I don't care how much money you make in this life. I don't know how, I don't care how successful you are, how prominent your name is in this city or in this state or in this nation. Listen to this. Whomever you have in this city, take them out of this place. If you succeed in that, if you succeed in that, your life is not wasted. You may have a lot of regrets. But if you can get the ones you love out, you have succeeded. Lot didn't get everybody out that he perhaps wanted. But at least the mandate, the instruction from God was faithful. We have to recognize that as much as we love our country, as much as we love the people around us, and I'm sure we all have friends, true friends, that are still outside of Christ and would desire better things for them. But in the end, this is what matters. If there are people that you love, people in your family, obey this instruction. Whoever you have in this, it says here, city, but if it's in this city, this county, this state, take them out of this place. Get them out of this place. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful that we have the opportunity through the gospel to take people away from an assured destruction.
We're thankful for the instruction of Lot's life. Many failures. And yet, uh, we're thankful that we read in the New Testament that he was delivered. And that you know how to deliver the righteous and to reserve those outside of Christ for judgment. We just uh, ask that you would bless your word today for we ask in Jesus' name, amen.